Thanks for checking out the Crossing College and Career podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you and challenges you to walk confidently in your identity. Earlier today uh, in the lobby, I thought it was so cool, and this person's here tonight, but I won't share who they are. But someone came up to me, and I think it's so awesome whenever you go to a service or you go to a, uh, um, a worship session or you're having fellowship, whatever it is, when you're in community with other believers and you go in, have you ever had that uh, God spoke exactly what you needed at that time? Have you ever had that happen, whether it be the word or, like I said, worship, whatever it is? And that actually happened to me today where an individual, you know, came up to me and was talking with me and we prayed together and I needed them more than they needed me. But they came up to me, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And so I think it's so cool the way that God uses those types of situations when he knows exactly what you need to hear. And for me, a lot of the times, you know, it's going in and, you know, having maybe some identity issues and Pastor Greg, like I hear a word like on identity and you're like, you think they're stalking you almost at some point, right? Or, um, you know, we all have relationship issues a lot of the times and people may talk about the Ten Commandments and murder and you're like, I was just going to murder my boyfriend tomorrow. So thank God I heard that sermon. But God speaks to us because he cares about us and he loves us. And it's such a good feeling whenever you hear the message that you needed to hear. But what I want to talk about tonight is something that I believe no matter what you're going through, it's going to allow you to see something about yourself and your situation, I think, differently. And it's by simply just posing the question of how big is your God? So how big is your God. And I didn't even, did I pray? I prayed in the beginning, but God help me with this and help us receive something um, that's going to change us. Speak through me in Jesus' name. So some of you, when I ask that question, and that's what we're really going to be talking about, it's super simplistic, is how big is he to you really? And he, he was asking that question to me, and you can think that, man, I wish he would have preached on something else, but if I, we get a hold of something like this, I think that increasing your view of how big God really is will minimize, if not completely eliminate, your problems. Because the more we see his worth, the less value we place on our problem. Does that make sense? And so I think we can all get caught in the trap of making God small. We can put him in a box sometimes, and I do this all the time, where I'm like, you need to answer this prayer, I need this blessing, and this needs to happen for me. And hopefully everyone here can relate to that at some point. And it specifically reminds me of this thing called presbytery that happens at our church. And so if you're not familiar with that, these guys come in from Texas. They're awesome. They pray for like a couple weeks and they come to a service and they go out in the crowd and they're like, hey, you with the blue shirt, this word is for you. And they're pretty accurate. It's pretty wild if you're not familiar with it. But if you've been at the Crossing Church for even one of those services, every single person stands up a little bit straighter. They wear a brighter shirt, and they're like, I need this word. And I do it all the time, too. I'm like, God, if you love me and you want me to know the will for my life, you're going to give me one of these. And he hasn't done it yet. <laughs> so I guess he doesn't want me to know. No, no that's not true. Um, I want that thing. I want God to speak to me through something else and have that awesome confirmation. But I thought about how selfish that was, and I'm like, man, technically, if I look at my life and where I was just even like four or five years ago, it is bananas to really even think about where I was to where I'm at right now. 
And God's got me to the place that I need to be, not on my terms, but his. Does that make sense? I Because th- I would think, you know, I need that word so I can keep going. But I'm where I'm at because God got me there his way, not mine. So how much different would you feel or how much different would you say services would even go if we walked in without our expectation of what we think we need and and God he works with us like he knows we need sometimes like uh, something about identity so he'll speak it I'm not saying that doesn't happen but what if we walked in completely letting go of our expectation and let ourselves experience God just for being God not what he gave us and our hearts were so empty of our own desires that we were actually able to catch a glimpse of God and all his glory, his majesty, his goodness, because we were just concentrated on him, not what he can fix. So I want to look at an example of how big God really is and how worthy he is of our worship. And it comes from Ezekiel, and it's funny, I was talking to Pastor Jeremy about this earlier. We're in this Bible plan with the whole church, and I'm like, I freaking hate Ezekiel. This happened before I read this message. I was like, so boring. I was like, to be honest with you, I'm just skimming through it. I'm not even really reading it. Interns here, don't do that. Read your Bible and everybody else. But this is one of the verses I'm using is from Ezekiel. So basically, Ezekiel was a priest who, at the time of this writing, he was exiled with a bunch of other Israelites, and he's sitting on this bank outside of a canal, um, at a refugee camp, and he sees this vision, right? And so in the vision, there's a big cloud, and there's four really weird creatures coming with, like, these big wings, and they're touching each other, and they're supporting um, this platform, so to speak. So Ezekiel 126 says, Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire stone, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw... That from what appeared to be his waist up looked like glowing metal as if it was full of fire. And that from there down looked like fire and a brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard the voice of the one speaking. I haven't had that happen yet. Have you guys? You might have. I don't know. It was a genuine question. I wasn't trying to make a joke. I wanted to see somebody so they can come up and preach. But what I want to get out of this is it's so cool. The phrase, the last phrase there, it says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So I'm not even sure if this was God fully manifested. It was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord. And this is how Ezekiel responded. And then the next thing I want to read is Revelation 4, 3 through 11, a couple more verses. But as I read this, read it, internalize it, and see if you see God like this. It says, And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne, there were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on um, on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings, peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like to be a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the, th- uh, the throne, there were four living creatures. They were covered in eyes, front and back. It says what the creatures were. Each of them uh, had six wings and uh, covered with eyes all around. And so day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. If you've been in church for five seconds, you've heard that so many times, and there's songs 
written about it, and like I say it all the time, and I'm like, holy, 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 yeah. I'm just being real. Like you, you can kind of get numb to it, I think, sometimes. But that's all they do because they're so close to God. They can't help but do anything else. So I want, I'm trying to retrain my brain and hopefully yours as well to say when you're really in the presence of God, that's, you can't do anything else but that. So how big is your God? How close are you to his presence, so to speak, you know? Obviously, if I'm not doing that, I may not be close enough. And I'm not saying we're supposed to do that right now. It's heaven. It's a completely different thing. I get it. But it's something to strive after. To be, maybe I can get a little bit closer to that. Because right now, I can sing holy, holy, holy and go watch like nine seasons of something on Netflix right after. And not be affected. You know what I'm saying? How, how do I go back and forth so easily? How close am I to his presence? It says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him. They sit on the, uh, uh, on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. They say, you're worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. By your will they were created. They have their being. In these two instances and so many more in the Bible, when God manifests his presence, people fall face down. And that is the posture of worship I think we need to be after. I'm not telling everybody for me to like tap you on the head and you fly across the room and that weird stuff. I think some of it's fake sometimes. It's, it's just one of those things, like I said, I'm not saying this has to be 24-7, but let's see how much closer we can get to it. Because where his presence is, these types of things happen. So if these types of things aren't happening every once in a while, like I said before, how close am I to his presence? What would it look like in your life if you saw God like this for how big he really is? And not just for you, it's for other people too. It's for unbelievers especially, you know. I can see how a lot of the times unbelievers can look at Christians and say, man, if you guys, that's a good, I love that song. And say, man, if you guys really believe that this God is so great, then why are you so casual about it? I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I, I am casual about God a lot, I'll be honest. But I can see why other people aren't coming to Christ. Because there's nothing really different. You see, people, and we've heard this, there's this phrase that goes around, but I, it's so true, that we keep telling people what they can and can't do, how they should or shouldn't be limit, living. We're giving all these descriptions of what being a Christian is, but there's never really a demonstration. People are tired of the description. They want a real demonstration of what it means. They don't want to be told anymore. They just want to see something different. And that's what we need to get after. I think everyone could, would you guys agree at least with me that like kind of Christianity gets a bad rap a lot? Like people like, we hate the left, we're LGBTQ, we, we hate it, and people, we're actually attached to hate now. And a lot of it's not true, I will say, but don't you hate that about what people say who you are? But the more I look at my lifestyle, and I'm not saying towards those specific things and it, um, exactly, but when you do an internal reflection, uh, asking yourself, do they have a point? Because we can get on the defensive and be like, no, you really are like this, and then there's the back and forth. I'm so over that that I'm like, man, 
there's got to be something I'm doing that they're not seeing. Something I'm doing or not doing that they're not seeing Jesus. And so at some point, we have to take responsibility for that. And it can go back and forth. I get there's a middle ground. But what can you do, you know? Have you really, and I'm talking about myself too, have I really laid my life down in full submission to the God I claim to worship? Do I really love my neighbor like myself? Have I humbled myself, like Jesus talks about in uh, Philippians, have I humbled myself like to the point of obedience, to, where he talks about to the point of death, like even death on a cross? Maybe people aren't seeing God for who he really is because I haven't paid the full price yet to show them who he is. How big is he to you? They aren't seeing God for how big he is because I'm viewing them, I'm viewing God as too small. I think people are going to judge the size of our God by the cost of our worship. What is it costing you? And if it's, like I kind of mentioned before, if it's casual and here and there, yeah, they're going to think God's pretty small too. (laughs) I don't want to blame them anymore. Am I doing what I need to do to make them see how big God really is? What is it really costing you? By nature, human beings are worshipers. That's It's just how God created us. What you choose to worship and how often you choose to worship, thats God leaves that up to us. So ask yourself the question, you know, are there, or what is really taking precedence in your life? What matters the most? What can you not wait to do when you get home? What, you know what I'm saying? What is taking precedent? What do you think about? What's on the forefront of your mind most of the time? And that they can be good things in and of themselves sometimes. I'm talking family, friends, um, school, work. Um, and then it can get bad where you're, you know, social media and Netflix and all that stuff, whatever it is. Something's taking priority in your life, though. Something's taking up most of your time. And they're not bad in and of themselves, but when they become bigger than God, that's where we notice the red flag. That's your only marker. I'm not here to do what, don't do whatever you want. I think we all get the lines. But do what you want. But when that red flag comes and you're like, man, I like this way more than God, notice that. Pick up on that. You guys are smart people. I believe that. Like, I, I think you know. I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you on it. But we pick and choose what and when we want to worship. So if we can stop holding so tightly to what is not God, things going on around us, distractions, our problems, and stop putting this magnifying glass on them, making them bigger than God, we may be able to actually discover that deep worship encounter that we've been seeking, something deeper than we've ever known, because we're not magnifying the thing, we're magnifying him. It's not that the things don't exist, they're still there, but where am I, what am I magnifying? They're not going to go away, but it's your choice, and it's more of a per- perception, you know. Like, you have to make that choice of, man, what am I going to concentrate on? So my question really is, Is your what is your worship? Is it calculated? Is it directed? Or is it just guided by the flavor of the week and wherever you want it to go? 
Or sometimes we even want it to go to God, but something else is better at the time, so we're just kind of going with the flow. It needs to be calculated. It needs to be directed. What is your response when you hear God is big, you know, or he's amazing or he's glorious or all these things we say? What is that contingent upon? Is the goodness of God contingent upon your external circumstances? Um, You know, what God does or doesn't do for us, would you worship God if you didn't get the grades you were looking for, the jobs, the relationships? Add in whatever thing you're going through. Would your worship still be the same if those things didn't happen the way you wanted them to? The answer is our worship is contingent upon us believing what the Bible says is true about God, for him being worshiped about what he has already done. We worship God because he's God. It's pretty simple when you put it that way. There's a lot more, I'm sure, that goes into it. But what if the only reason in your life you had to worship God was because he's God and everything else was going, let's say, really bad in a fleshly perspective? We worship God because he's God. Keep that little sentence in your mind when things aren't going your way. And you can't really see how how he can be good because we can't see every facet of him. That's what I was praying in the very beginning is, man, God, let us see a different facet of you. Let us see a new definition of you. Let us see something we haven't seen before so even though I don't understand it, I can get your goodness from it. That's my prayer. Revelation 4.11, and the worship team can come up. This will be done soon. Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and they were created because he wanted them. Worship should not be given to God because of what he can do for us. That's a byproduct of why we worship him. It's not the main reason. God is, as we just read, he's in control of everything. He created everything. It's all his. He is very wealthy. But I'm concerned that a lot of the times we're concerned with worshiping the wealthiness of God rather than his worthiness. And that's speaking to what can I get rather than who is he. And I don't want to make it seem like your desires are not important because when I was thinking about this and writing it, I, that's what I thought about first was, God gives me the desires of my own heart. What are you going to do? Get back out of that one, God? <laughs> you know, like, we can kind of use these excuses sometimes. Um, and it is scriptural. And he does give us the desires of our heart. But if you don't get them how you think you need them at the certain time and all these things that go into it, you start to get a little, me at least, bitter and resentful towards God. And you get in this really tricky space where it's hard to even worship him because it's all connected to what, what he's got, his wealth, rather than his worthiness. So Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship.
death. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is true and proper worship. And I think when we get to that place, we really can begin to see how big God really is and not put him in the small box that we can put him in sometimes. But when I look at the call to offer myself to God as a living sacrifice, not only just, hey, God, I'm a living sacrifice, but it says one that's holy and pleasing. What I say is I can't do that. There's no way. You want me to be a living sacrifice and I have to be holy and pleasing? But the awesome part is you don't have to do any of that. Jesus did that for you and God sees you through the lens of Jesus. But don't talk negatively about yourself. With the I can'ts and the I won'ts and I'll never be, we're just reinforcing the negative. And our brains weren't designed and wired to constantly reinforce the negative. And we always say, what I, an example is like, okay, is everyone paying attention right now? Good? All right. Do not think of a flamingo. Failed miserably, didn't you? Did anybody think, hopefully half the people did. No one's talking, but I'll say I'm right because I have the mic and no one's responding. But when we don't want to do something, we do it. It's kind of that Romans 7 paradox where, like, I do the things I don't want to do, but then when I do want to do something, I can't do it. But when we reinforce the things and we put them in the negative, but when we convert things to be positive and affirmative, it's life-changing. It's all about your perspective and how you're seeing God. Is he big or is he small? And I saw this cool analogy, and it's like, have you seen those uh, crazy... Um, X Games, almost guys, they do like weird sports and they like jump out of helicopters and like ski down a hill. Have you guys seen like stuff like that? And they're like dodging all these, you know, cliffs and trees. And when they're asked about it, they say, oh, it's actually pretty easy. You know, you just follow the snow, you follow the path. But if you concentrate on the trees, guess what? You're going to hit a tree. But if you concentrate on the snow and the path in front of you, it's so much easier to to not hit the trees. And in the same way, it's our relationship with Jesus. If you magnify God and you worship him for how big he really is, yes, there's still trees in the path. Yes, there's still problems. Yes, there's still tribulations. Yes, life is just going to suck sometimes. But you're serving a God and you're looking at a God who has a way to get you through those roadblocks rather than keep on running into them and stopping. It's not that they don't exist. It's that you have a different perception. You you have a different focus, and it's on God. It's on the path. It's not on the obstacle. God's big enough to rule the entire universe. It's what he does. He's actively doing it. It's probably pretty easy for him. But he's also, it's so cool, he's, he's also small enough to care so much to live on the inside of us, to hear our deepest, darkest cries. Like, what's going on with you? What perplexes you? What are you frustrated about? What's going on? And he cares. It's the same God who's in control of everything. He lives right here. 
my prayer tonight is that hopefully tonight, if not, I believe it's going to be soon. I believe God's shifting something here with the young adults. My prayer is that you're going to experience God in such an intimate way that it's kind of like what we talked about either earlier in Ezekiel, that you can't help but fall down and worship him. You can't do anything else. You can't think about anything else. And my challenge tonight really for you guys is to not let external circumstances or problems or the way the past was or who you think God is, how he should feel, what someone else said his presence felt like, and I'm trying to get after that. Don't let any external circumstance dictate how big God is. Like I said, he controls the entire universe. He numbered the hair on every single person's head. Who's ever lived, who will ever live. That's a lot of hair. Just like, and think about it, that's one simple like thing that God does. And imagine how intricate beside your hair your life is. And then multiply that times all the lives. <laughs> However many that is. He's in control of all of that. And he's not stressed about it either, by the way. He's not running around with like a secretary, like trying to figure out how to do it. But like I said, he's that big. But also small enough to have intimate, deep relationship with you. Because he cares. So don't ever, 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 ever let any problem be bigger than the God who's in control of it. For something to be activated with, I think what God was just trying to speak to me and to everybody. Um, so for us not to walk out of here, as I mentioned in the beginning, the same people, but for God to spark a fire in all of us to see Him as big as he really is. And when we do that, to respond in the worship that's appropriate. And when we get that settled in the quiet place, that's when the change happens in the world around us. Every single person here has a sphere of influence. Everyone here knows three, five, 10, 20, however many people. If you get that solitude, with God, you see him for who he really is and in turn see yourself for who you really are. There's going to be a, a switch that flips and people are going to see it and they're going to respond to it because they don't have a choice. You're not twisting their arm. They just see something so radically different about you that they want it. So Father, right now, I, I ask you to stir in the hearts of your sons and daughters something brand new to where we respond to the word that you gave tonight. God, allow us to see you differently right now, tomorrow, throughout this week. Allow us to see you differently 
God, we repent right now if we have put you in a box and seen you as too small or you can't handle some problem. God, we repent. We recognize you for who you really are and ask you, even in our finite minds, to reveal that to us so we can be so on fire for you that people can't help but want to join it, want to get a taste of it. The tasting and the seeing that the Lord is good. Let's not, that, I don't want that to be a saying anymore. I want people to come back with stories about how that's actually true. So let us taste, let us see God. As our heart cries out for you, God, I truly believe you're gonna show up in the quiet place for each and every single person here. And we're gonna see real change happen in our own lives. And that's gonna go out to every single person that we know. And this region, this state, this nation is gonna change. Not because of what we can do, but because of you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the Crossing Church Message podcast with Pastor Greg Davis. Once again, thank you so much for listening.